honour it is for me to be sharing today on Mother's Day and I just, <coughs> I really wanted to honour the mother of the house today and some people might think it's me but unfortunately these days I'm becoming the grandmother. <laughs> so I just want to honour Pastor Nat today. Yes, let's honour the mother of Silverwater. And I know for myself I carried my babies with both hands but Pastor Nat has carried her baby with one hand and her calling, her calling with the other hand. And I think we need to honour her for that because it's an absolute, it's an absolute great encouragement. It's a wonderful encouragement for other young women of God that have a calling on their life that, you know what, we can have both. We can live out the call of God while we have our families, while we're doing whatever it is God's calling us to do. So we honour you, Pastor Nat. We thank you. And we love your babies. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to put my glasses on at this point. <laughs> and today's a really special day of celebration. And I never take it lightly when, when you know, God asked me to do something for him. And um, as I was preparing for today, on, a, on every Monday morning, my colleague and I, we pray for the week at work. And I said to her, look, I want you to pray for Mother's Day today. And we prayed for Mother's Day. And I had asked God... God, what do you want to talk about on Mother's Day? And for me, the word came into my heart, broken. And I thought, gosh, that is so negative. I put it aside and I thought, I must be having a melancholy day. And I, I just put it away. And then after my friend and I prayed on the Monday, she said to me, do you know what you're going to speak on? And I said, um, I, I kind of do, but I think I might have it wrong. And she said, does the word brokenhearted come to you? And I thought, oh, God, you are so wonderful. You just know where we're at. You confirm what you want us to do and you speak, Lord. He just speaks, you know. And today I just want to just acknowledge. I want to say that God acknowledges that today is not a happy day. Like, like Pastor Hartley said, that it's not always a celebration for everyone. That, you know, you might have lost your mother and it's, it's not a real happy day because there's sadness associated with today. And maybe you're the mother that maybe didn't fulfill the calling that that, you know, as a mother, maybe you just didn't have the means or the strength to be the mother you wanted to be. Maybe you're the child who didn't experience a really good relationship with your mother. There's lots of different scenarios. Maybe you never knew your mother. And, you know, there's some heartache in that. I know I spent many years in heartache because I desired and I so wanted to be a mother, but it just wasn't happening. And so when Mother's Day came, it was a very painful time for me. It was not a happy day for me. And today, if I wanted to title my message, it would be broken and barren. But I don't want to stop there. I just want to acknowledge that God knows that, you know, barrenness can sometimes bring brokenness. And brokenness can often leave us barren. And I wanted to address that this morning. I don't want to discourage us at all because I believe God is ready to turn everything around from broken and barren to whole and fruitful. And we need to acknowledge that. And I think sometimes if we don't acknowledge the issue, then there's no way we can come out of it and see the, what God has for us, see the result that God has for us, which is out of that is whole and fruitful. God wants today to touch our lives, God wants to heal our brokenness, and God wants to bring life to the dreams that are hidden in those barren places in our life. So I just want to pray for one minute if we just bow our heads. Father God, 
Lord God, I just pray that you speak to every one of us. Lord, Father, we want to see your healing today, Lord. Your healing in people's hearts, Lord. Father, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us today. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, many of us are redeemed from a past where maybe our family was dysfunctional and our parents may not have known the Lord. I mean, I certainly did not have a family that knew the Lord as we know the Lord today. And our culture didn't align with the word of God. And, you know, sometimes there's a place where there's guilt and there's shame where we've been raised in this atmosphere and maybe we've had tragedy in our past and maybe we walk with a limp. Some of us walk with a limp. And today I just need to declare it over us. I want to declare it over us that Psalm 147 says, and this is talking about Jesus, that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds and he heals their pain and comforts their sorrow. The Amplified says, he heals the pain and comforts the sorrow. So I want to speak that over us this morning. I want to declare that Jesus himself said in Isaiah, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So he has come to heal those places. And sometimes we think we've got to live like that. But no, we don't have to live like that because he is here. He acknowledges the pain. He knows the struggles. And he knows what, what's in our hearts. And he is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And, and this week as I was reading, um, I often read, you know, devotions. And I wanted to try and find where I'd read this story, but I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the source so I can tell you where it was from. But it was a beautiful story about two young men. And they were two brothers. They had lived in a family where the father was an alcoholic. So around them was a whole lot of dysfunction. There was violence. Um, there was not an atmosphere of peace in their home. And as they grew up, their mother did the best that she could, you know, to, to look after her sons. She loved them very much, but she was powerless, really. She did not know the Lord. And as they grew up, these two boys, you know, they, they got to their maybe late teens and their father passed away. So then they decided, well, you know what, we've grown up now, we're going to go and we're going to live our own life. So they left home, they each lived their own life. And a couple of years down the track, the mum thought, I want to go and see my son. So she, she rang the first one, she went over to see him. And they lived really a fair distance, so she had to plan a trip and off she went to see her son. She got into to the door, you know, she walked in and she felt like she had just walked into her past. She looked in that room and she saw her son slouched in a chair, intoxicated, the house was a mess, the wife was at work and this son had one boy who, I don't know, he was probably at school at the time. But that just really um, just brought back all those memories because she had felt like this is the life that she lived. And she looked at her son and she said, son, why are you living like this? Why do you have to live like this? And he looked up at her and he slurred these words, I spent so many years watching my father. And that broke the mother's heart. And so she thought she wanted to go and see her other son as well. So she went and he lived a fair distance away. She, she went to see her son. She knocked on the door. Her son opened the door in the background on the floor where the kids playing with some toys. He had two children. She could smell dinner in the, you know, cooking in the background. And, and it was just a really beautiful smell of, of food. And she walked in and, and she said to her son, I miss you. It's so, you know, so good of you to have me come. And all of a sudden, out of the kitchen walked out the wife. And she came in and she said, hello, sit down. We, I really insist I'd love you to stay for dinner. And as she sat and she chatted with her son, she was quite surprised. And she, she was 
really pleased and blessed by seeing the life that he had. The home was tidy. It was, you know, a decent life. They had really lovely things in the house. And she looked at, an, at her son while they were chatting and she said, son, I can't believe the life you've made. You know, I'm so proud of you. This is a great life. How did you manage to have such a great life? And he looked at her and he said, oh, well, mum. And he smiled. He said, I spent so many years watching my father. So... Two young men, they lived the same life, yet such very different results. And their response was the same. I spent so many years watching my father. Your outlook determines your outcome. What you look at determines your outcome. You know, it's, it's, we have the power, if we know the Lord Jesus, to change our circumstances without looking at the past, without looking at what happened, without looking at our earthly parents, without looking at what, what had happened to us, but looking forward and knowing that in God, we can have a better life. We can do better. We can stop the chain. We can stop the cycle. We can give our children a much better life than the life that we have. There's a song that's just been released and... and it's a very dear song to my heart, and it's a secular song, but it was written by a Christian artist, an amazing anointed man of God. <laughs> I was going to keep that a secret. <laughs> anyway, the song says, and it talks about, uh, you know, some sort of family struggles, and it says, raise the same, learn to fly, but who knows where we land? And then the conclusion to the song is, there's too many looking for a father they can find in a son, in the son. And I want us to remember that, that you know what, we're not going to even land. Can I just say, we are not going to land. We are not created to land. We are not created to stop. We are not created to sit. We are created to soar. We are created to run, to run the race. We are created to go from strength to strength to strength. That is what we are created for. We are not created to just sit back and do nothing. We are created to rise on eagle's wings. And I want to read from Isaiah 40 because the word of God has power and it's the word of God that changes our lives. So Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint because Jesus will bind up their wounds. The life of the first son was barren because of his brokenness. And the life of the second son was full of potential because of his brokenness. He was determined that that was not going to be his life. That was not going to be his portion. And if we know the son and we don't look to our past and don't look to our family and don't look to anyone but to Jesus, we can have that outcome in our own lives, in our own lives. And one of the, and I wanted to talk a little bit about barrenness, and, and I know that there's barrenness in the physical, but I want to talk about also barrenness and compare it with barrenness in the spiritual. And sometimes some of us have things on the inside of us that we want to birth, that we feel God wants to birth, but for some reason it hasn't happened. Brittany, stop laughing. <laughs> now there's a beautiful story in the Bible about Hannah and I love this story it's very dear to my heart 
and I feel I felt with Hannah when I read this story. And Hannah was was barren. I can relate to that, as I know many women can relate to that story. And in the Jewish culture, it is quite shameful to be barren. It is shameful, and sometimes it's associated with sin that you know you don't have this reward of a child because of your sin, and it can be really. Um, you know, make you feel really, really horrible about not having children. And even in, in the Middle Eastern culture now, it's still a little bit like that. And Hannah, <coughs> Hannah's barrenness just brought her so much shame. It was so true for her that her husband actually, this is really funny, her husband, because she couldn't have children, he did not hesitate to take up the opportunity and get another wife. <laughs> So they were both barren, but he decided, well, she's not having the child, so I'm going to find a woman that will. And so he married another lady. Now, that in itself um, can be really demoralizing. So he married this other lady, and he had sons and he had daughters with Penina. This is the new lady, the new wife. Now, they were both barren together, but the minute Penina came in or Penina came into, the, into their life, she was left alone. She was the only one barren at that point. You know, it wasn't, it was no more, the two of them, it was just her. And she felt so alone in that place of barrenness. And sometimes in our life, we can really feel alone in our brokenness, really feel alone, that nobody can understand what it would feel like to have this thing on the inside of us that we want to birth, you know, and nobody can help us. Only God can help us with that. How many know that if there's a wound and you touch that wound, it's painful? Well, that was the same for Hannah. That was a really heavy wound for her, and Penina would tease her and stir her up because she had children and Hannah didn't. And sometimes, even you know, even in our own earthly life, if there is somebody that is seems to be getting blessed, seems to be having the children, seems to be having the great job, seems to be getting married, how many people are waiting for husbands to come and wanting to get married, and they're just waiting but watching everybody else's dreams happen? I want to tell you today that, you know what, keep that dream. Keep that dream on the inside of you. Keep that dream. For Hannah, there was a time when they would come up as a family and they would sacrifice to the Lord. So they would come up to Shiloh and they would bring the sacrifice. And part of the tradition was to cut up the meat and give everybody their portion. Well, God bless Elkanah, her husband. He gave everyone a portion that time when they came to sacrifice to the Lord. And he gave Hannah a double portion because he loved her and because he wanted her not to be upset about not having children. Can you imagine? I think I would call that comfort eating, that you can't have a baby, so I'm going to give you an extra piece of steak. Will that make you happy? Are you going to be happy? I don't know about you, but rump, baby, rump, I think I'll take baby. This was his take on it. He was trying to do something right for her to make her happy. And what's really funny, I'm just going to take it up and I'm going to start reading the Word of God from the first, first Samuel 1 from verse 8. And I'm just going to read the verse and then I'm just going to talk a little bit about each verse. And it says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? Well, no, actually you're not. How can you compare having a baby with that? It doesn't make any sense. But Elkanah, he was bringing upon himself. It's like, I have done everything I can do. I have been a good husband. I have given you an extra piece of steak. Well, I, 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 I. 
But you know what? When somebody has something on the inside of them, when somebody is going through that struggle, when somebody is feeling alone in their brokenness, you know what? We cannot fix it. The husband can't fix it. The parent can't fix it. Nobody can fix it. Only Jesus can fix that thing. You know, there's a reason why Jesus was a carpenter. My dad was a builder. He was a carpenter. There was nothing he couldn't fix. And Jesus, the great carpenter, is the only one that can fix our issues, that can fix our brokenness, that can heal us, that can put us back together again. He is the only one. He is the only one. And poor old Elkanah thought it was him. He made it all about him, but it wasn't about him. There are times when only God can fill that dry place. There are times when only God can birth that promise. There are times when only God can reach out to our inner heart and bring that thing out of us. Only Jesus can do it. As Mick and I were walk, walking through our journey, it was really similar. You know, I remember Mick sort of saying, well, don't worry, we'll just travel, we'll spend our money other places. We'll... And it was like, well, you know, that's not going to satisfy me. When God has something in you, when something needs to be birthed out of you, nothing else is going to satisfy. Not one thing on the earth is going to satisfy you until what God's purpose in your heart and in that barren place of your life, in your brokenness, comes to pass. That's when you're satisfied. And I think that's why we did this whole series for the women, Dream Again. Don't lay your dreams down. Don't put your dreams down. Because God is able to fulfill his promise. Amen. Amen. If we just take it up, verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look at, my, at the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I shall give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Hannah knew where to go. Hannah knew where to go. Hannah got off that dinner table and she went straight over to the throne of God. She put everything down. She knew that that steak was not going to be enough. She put it down and she went straight to God, straight to the house of God, to the presence of God. And she cried out to God. She went closer, nearer. She went into his presence. She wanted to touch his garment. She went so close to him because she knew there was nothing else that was going to satisfy her. No one else could help her. There was nothing Elkanah could do. And I pondered on this word, remember, in that verse, that she's sort of saying to God, remember me, remember. You know what? God does not forget. Can I just say that word remember, is, it's, it's written as gartani. Now, I, I'm not so clever, but that's the same word in Arabic. That's how come I found it really easy. <laughs> but you know, God does not forget. It's not like God said, you know what, I'm just going to put that aside and I won't even worry about that. And if I remember, I remember. No, you know, there's a timing issue. It's not like God forgets, but God waits for the time and it comes back up. It's time. It's time. It was time for the prophet of Israel to be born. It's the time. It's the right time. Because if Samuel had been born at a different time, he couldn't live and do what he had to do for the time that God wanted him to be there. That was her baby, Samuel. 
So we need to understand sometimes if it's not happening now, to keep on crying out, to keep on seeking God, to get in the house of God, to come to the throne, to go to the altar, to, to cry to God and ask God for that promise, for that thing that you're waiting for, for that emptiness inside you to be filled by God. And in God's timing, because God knows what that purpose is for. God knows who has to hear that. God knows who has to see that. God knew that Samuel would be the one to anoint the two kings in Israel, Saul and David. And God's timing was crucial in that particular story. So it's not like God forgets. He does not forget us ever. He never, ever forgets us. If we just go to verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint... And grief I have spoken until now. She was praying to God and the man of God thought she was drunk. You know, I want to speak to you people, you young people that want to really cry out to God, that want to actually honour God by waiting for marriage. I want to tell you right now, people might think you're crazy. In this world, that sounds crazy. If you're going to wait for your husband and not go before God and just marry someone who's available... God is going to honour you. If you're going to birth an Ishmael or are you going to have an, an Isaac? Honour God. doesn't matter what people think. doesn't matter if people think you're crazy. Honour God. Follow God. Don't lose and don't fill that with anything from human life because it needs to come from heaven above. It needs to come from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will birth in you what God's called you for. And I want to encourage you in that today. I know sometimes you might not see it in the distance. For me, I spent years on my face praying to God and all I saw was our carpet on the floor. I'll never forget the pattern on that rug, on that carpet. Actually, it was pastel green in the 1980s. I was on the floor waiting for God, seeking out God. And in God's timing and in God's moment and in God's purpose, that barrenness left, the brokenness left, you know. Hannah was broken because of her barrenness. That other young man was barren because of his brokenness. And wherever we're at, it doesn't really matter. matter. At the end of the day, Hannah knew where to go. Then Eli, verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favour in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You know, Hannah got her blessing. Hannah waited at the feet of the altar until she got her blessing. And once she knew that God had deposited that in her heart and it was coming to pass, she went her way. She got her faith. Faith rose up on the inside of her. She got up and she went on. And she knew in her heart that she had God's blessing. And she carried Samuel in her heart before she carried him in her womb. And some of us today have things in our heart, and I just really know that God is wanting to fulfill our dreams, that God is wanting that call of God on our life to come to pass, that our life would make a difference 
to the kingdom of God, that we each have a, a great purpose, whatever that is. And if you're dreaming too big, it's God. If you're dreaming too big, it's God. And I just want to encourage us in that. And I and last week we did a beautiful um, topic called Abide. And I love that. Because, you know, if we don't abide in God, if we don't abide in the house of God, if we're not connected to God, then we are not going to know when that blessing has come. Hannah knew because she was right there at the altar. She got her blessing. She knew that God was onto it. She knew because she was connected. She went to the right place. And one of the most beautiful things about God is that sometimes that he explains the heavenly things by what happens on earth. You know, he gives us examples on earth of what it's like in heaven. And one of those beautiful things is motherhood. I love motherhood. I, I'm, I, I thank God for motherhood. I loved being a mother. Some of the best years of my life were being a mum. And I pray that every woman that wants to be a mum, that God right now today will fill her right now with, with the power to conceive in Jesus' name. But I, I remember that what the feeling was to have this child on the inside of your body. And when we talk about abiding, it's like God's example. Motherhood is God's example. You have this beautiful life that is inside a body, protected, completely protected from the outside world, surrounded by water and nourished and fed and breathing through what connects it to its mother. And for us, as born-again believers that live in Christ, when we abide, it's a bit like that. We are connected to God. We are getting nourished from God. We are breathing our air because of our connection with God. We are growing. We are stretching and growing because of that connection, that God's connection is feeding us spiritually. And we are surrounded by living water, completely protected, just like a child is protected in its mother's womb. And I think if we can acknowledge that if we are not connected to God in that way, if we are not living and breathing and getting our nourishment from abiding in God and with God, that we are going to shrivel up and die spiritually. And I don't want that to happen to any one of us. We need to have life. God's calling us to stretch. God's wanting to do miracles in our life. But if we will just abide in him, and that's his word. If I can ask the band to come up. This morning, I really had it on my heart to pray for people because I know there are many unfulfilled dreams that there might be brokenness somewhere in our lives that Jesus needs to fix, that we might need a touch of God today, that God might do something in our life. Maybe we've got a broken heart. Maybe we've been hurt or rejected. Maybe it's because of our mothers. Maybe we want to be a mother and we're really crying out that God would fulfill that dream of birthing a child. So I just want to pray for people this morning. I think it's really important. Hartley, Pastor Hartley said, you know, a touch, just one touch from God, just one touch can make all the difference. Hannah received her touch. Hannah received her touch. And I want to pray for us this morning that we would receive a touch from God, that we would, you know, come to the altar of God. And I love that song that says, come to the altar, come to the altar. And I'm going to just right now cry out, come to the altar. As the band starts to sing, I want us to just stand in our, our chairs, stand from our chairs and just focus on God and 
And if there's anything in your heart, anything at all, any barren place in your life, any barren place in your life, if you want a touch from God, I want to ask you to come to the altar. I want to ask you right now, and as the team comes to help to minister, we're going to pray for people this morning. I think it's really important that our lives are touched this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we do pray. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Spirit. 